The Jim Davis Show. Call or text the team line at 970-242-1340. Colorado sports leader, the team. Nine o'clock, Jim and Cake today from the Bozark Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios. Most trusted name in automobiles. So we'll have another qualifier this hour for our Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. That's a table for six and 50 wings at Buffalo Wild Wings, February 11th for the big game. And we'll uh, draw the winner coming up on Thursday. So another qualifier coming up this hour. We get to a text from Eric in Cedar Edge. How about Washington using the number two pick to grab Marvin Harrison Jr.? Then we can see what Sam is made of in year three with those weapons. I still think that makes some sense to me. No, it totally it makes total sense. Another Buckeye, Terry McLaurin. I think if we're talking about another Buckeye to another Buckeye, because I don't know what Chicago's plan is right now, but I think they should take Marvin Harrison Jr. at the number one pick. Yeah, I, I still, still. I know feel, that everyone feels like they're pulling the trigger too fast on walking from Justin Fields. At least it kind of feels that way. Yeah, I. Is Caleb Williams automatically going to be better than Justin Fields? I can't say that right now. I don't think so. I, I just can't say that. All right, so if you've got some thoughts on any of those things today, you can uh, text or call us on the team line, 970-242-1340. And uh, right now, uh, we're going to have tonight, of course, the Wildcat Hall of Fame and the uh, Fruita Monument Girls basketball team that won the state title in 1982 will go in as the the team, uh, they always pick a team every year for Wildcat Hall of Fame. A chance to talk with former coach Dallas Meyer about that 82 team. Talking through the monument Wildcat sports on the Jim Davis Show. And joining us right now on the team line, Dallas Meyer. Dallas, I appreciate the time. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, thanks. Congratulations on, on the honor of the entire 82 uh, Girls State Championship basketball team going into the Hall of Fame uh, twelve and zero that season in in Southwestern League play. You went seventeen and one. The only loss uh, on the road was to Aurora Hinkley. Hinkley was number one in four A. They won the four A state championship. For the girls, won the three A state championship, and it was the first three A girls state championship for the Western Slope. Finished twenty two and one. Uh, just uh, certainly a team that is uh, Dallas deserved that those kind of accolades and deserves to be in the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Uh, just uh, an incredible group. We'll talk about some of those players in just a moment, but uh, just give me some of your recollections of that 82 squad the one state. Well, I don't know. It was quite a year, actually. Uh, we uh, started out real well, and we wanted to play some of the teams over in Denver, you know, just to see who who was the best in the state, and we we did play Hinkley, and it was a tough game. And we did end up losing to them by 10. And that was our loss for the year. And uh, they kind of went into a stall at the end of the game with their big girl just holding the ball above her head. So uh, we went down to Farmington. We played a game down there. And I don't know, there were so many fouls called. We ended up, we did win the game, but we ended up playing we only had three girls on the court. And uh, we went to Cortez, and we got two, uh, two of the girls on crutches. And the next night we went to uh, Durango and got another one on crutches. So we had Kathy Holfus and 
Penny Yonker and Wendy Caldwell all on crutches going into February. And they did get back, and we did get even Kathy back to play in the district tournament. So it was it was a real weird season, and a lot of weird things happened, but the girls came through. Yeah, it speaks to the depth because the three players you mentioned with Wendy Caldwell and Penny Yonker and Kathy Holtus, they were all starters for you, Dallas. And it really speaks to the, the depth that you had. Of course, it didn't hurt that you had Lisa Aldred, who was uh, one of the very best high school basketball players in the state during that period of time. It, she certainly helped to, to uh, carry the load for you. But uh, that uh, in your coaching career, that had to be a rarity. We had three starters out, uh, but still able to, uh, to not miss a beat. Yeah, it was it was really good. I mean, we worked worked real hard trying to get Kathy back for the district tournament, but we didn't want to play her too much or get her hurt in case we did get through the district tournament and make it to state. And but did a lot of ankle wrapping that year. <laughs> I imagine so. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, wrapping of ankles and and uh, making sure that uh, players are ready to go. Uh, coming off some injuries, we're talking with Dallas Meyer. He was the coach of the 1982 Fruitland Monument Girls State Championship basketball team. They went 22 and one and beat uh, Cheyenne Mountain to win the 3A state championship. And so, uh, one of the folks that'll be going into the Hall of Fame as an individual this year is Lisa Aldred, who had uh, an average of 17.7 points per game. And um, Lisa and I went to high school together we're in the same class, and uh, just a tremendous basketball player. She was also a fantastic volleyball player, which you were. The, the coach of the volleyball uh, team as well, Dallas. And a lot of these players uh, were both volleyball players, basketball players. I would imagine that that made your job a little easier. You knew that you knew the how these players, their skill sets, their temperament uh, from coaching them in volleyball and basketball had to make for, uh, for an, an easier transition for you coaching players that you already coached on the volleyball court. Yeah, it really did. I, I think it was just a, a really good, close-knit group of girls. And, uh, they just worked hard. And I know, like, a lot of people do a lot of camps and this and that. But, you know, during volleyball, we didn't talk basketball. And during basketball, we didn't talk volleyball. So we we focused on what we had to do. Well, in the state championship game, uh, when uh, the Wildcats beat Cheyenne Mountain 59-44, to Lisa Aldred was the high score. She had 25 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, she was also the, the co-most valuable player on the Denver Post All-Tournament team uh, with Wendy Caldwell, who averaged uh, just a little bit behind her at 17.3 points per basketball game. But uh, with, with Lisa and Wendy, you had two dynamic players. Obviously, Kathy Holfus was a, a, a tremendous player for you as well. She was in double digits at 12 points per game. Um, Penny Yonker was an uh, honorable mention player as well, uh, as far as the the district tournament goes. And so you just had you just had a lot of talent. But at that point in time, Lisa Aldred, she was like six two, if memory serves me correctly. Where there weren't that many girls basketball players, Dallas at that time that had that kind of size and also had her athleticism. Uh, yeah, the championship game actually against Cheyenne Mountain. Uh, they had five girls over 5'10", and uh, two six-foot players. Lisa was six, six-foot. and uh, But they were the – Cheyenne Mountain was the tallest team in the state at the tournament. But you had a but, player, though, and Lisa Aldred, though, who was a tall player, tall post player, but, but she was just a, a really athletic player. I mean, she was really good in the low post. 
Well, she was she was really good, and uh, everybody helped get the ball into her and this and that. And you know, I remember the state tournament the first night playing St. Mary's, and uh, we played our regular game against them, and we didn't know much about a lot of the other schools, but we played them, and and you know, she had a tremendous night. And, uh, you know, I knew Pueblo Centennial was sitting in the crowd watching us, and they were watching Lisa real hard. And uh, at that night after after the St. Mary's game, uh, we kind of came up with a new offense. And, uh, you know, the second game, that's when Kathy Holfus, I think she ended up with about 18 points or something a game. And Lisa didn't score that much, and you know we just we just ran Lisa to the high post a couple times to see how many were going to guard her, and they were double and triple teaming her. And uh, you know she worked on rebounds and stuff, but we didn't get the ball to her much that night. And then you know against Cheyenne Mountain, then we could go back to our regular game. Yeah, it was a two point win against Pueblo you know, Centennial. Two- that was that was the other Kathy had uh, Holfus had eighteen points in that one, so. Yeah, they, they definitely took away Lisa Aldred from you, but but you know that night Kathy Holfus stepped up in a big way in that semifinal game. Well, yeah, everybody played the role. I mean, like I said, we came up with another offense because we figured they were going to double triple team her if they'd been watching, and that's exactly what they did. So, uh, you know, she was she was an outstanding player, and and you know she, I think she made a huge jump when she was younger, you know, starting off in JV and just working hard defensively as much as offensively. And, uh, I mean, she could hustle both ends of the floor and really made a difference. We're talking with former Fruto Monument girls basketball coach Dallas Meyer, coached the uh, Wildcat girls in 1982 to a 22-1 record in the 3A state championship. And we've talked about Lisa Oliver, who will go in as an individual into the Hall of Fame for what she did on the court, uh, both basketball and volleyball. But uh, mentioned uh, Wendy Caldwell uh, because Wendy was the co-most valuable player along with, with Lisa Aldred at the state tournament for the 3A tournament. Uh, kind of take us through Wendy Caldwell because she had a, uh, and we're going to talk with her, I believe, coming up on Wednesday. She, uh, you know, I can't say she's got, she got overshadowed by Lisa Aldred, but uh, because she was certainly recognized by a lot of people for her talent. But uh, Wendy Caldwell certainly was every bit as uh, important a player uh, in your state championship run as Lisa Aldred uh, was in terms of what she brought to, to your uh, to your interior game. Yeah, Wendy, you know she she was smaller and but quick and very very good defensive player and a really good shooter and an excellent free throw shooter. She made uh, ten out of eleven and tied the state record in a single game at the state tournament she ended up with 18 out of 20 on the free throws and uh every one of those counts a lot uh and she she actually scored uh, 34 points i think against saint mary's and so she was she was a fantastic player and an excellent shooter a great defensive player very quick we're talking with Dallas Meyer, coach the Fruit of Monument Girls uh, basketball team for the 1982 uh, state championship. Uh, the Fruit of 82 girls will go into the uh, 
Wildcat Hall of Fame coming up on February 2nd when uh, Fruit of Monument plays host to Central. Uh, you know, going back to that period of time, that's uh, it, you know, well, girls basketball has just grown and, and has become obviously a, a, a tremendous sport at the varsity level since it became a varsity sport back in the mid-70s, Dallas. But that was really the emergence of, of girls basketball here on the Western Slope. A later junction, you know, in Junction 80, Ford win a state championship uh, with with Max Kralichek. Uh, Fruta Mon would go with uh, with Dave Fox and, and and win a state title as well. But uh, then Montrose also with John Morale had a lot of uh, great success uh, uh, after that here on the Western Slope. But that was kind of the really the the start of uh, of girls basketball at the varsity level and the success here on the Western Slope uh, with those Fruta teams, of course, the 82 team and the 83 team that also went on to win state. Yeah, uh, you know, it was a lot of the same girls, too. And, you know, I know a lot of people, um, even some of the girls on the team after the 82 state championship and and losing the seniors, five of the seniors that year, uh, thought it was going to be next to impossible to be as competitive the following year. But everybody stepped up and... It turned out good too. Yeah, it was, it was it, that that team certainly uh, was uh, was a remarkable team as well. But that '82 team, just with the one loss, 22 and one to win the state championship, uh, will uh, of course uh, be honored coming up on February 2nd out at uh, Fruit of Monroe High School. We're talking with former coach Dallas Meyer. Uh, you mentioned the three starters that were on crutches, you know, heading into February for you, Dallas, and the, the challenge of that. Any other? Any other memories that you have? Maybe going back to that win against Cheyenne Mountain, what what are some of your recollections after you realized that you'd won the state championship? You know, I I'm not. It was it was kind of a blur, I guess. But it, I guess, the night before we we had a team meeting, and I stayed up and I I watched a lot of film on them. In fact, I watched them play. Uh, a game, and I think I I watched the whole game three times until I was confident I figured out a way to beat them. And we had a team meeting that morning, and I, I told the girls, I said, this, this is very doable. We're, we'll beat them. All you got to do is here's the game plan. And uh, it, it, was, it was a little rough, and... Uh, it was tied, I think it was tied 33-33 at half, or going into the third quarter. And we called the timeout. I called the timeout, and I don't know, we had we had a real good <laughs> timeout. I, I'll, I'd probably never tell anybody but the girls on the team what was said in that timeout, but... Uh, they went back out, and we had twenty unanswered points. So it was it was it was a good game. Uh, a little verbal motivation from Coach Meyer at that moment. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. And they responded uh, with a big run, obviously coming out of that timeout. Uh, so Dallas, what do you what are you doing these days, sir? Um, just retired and enjoying life. Enjoying life. So so what are the some things that Dallas Meyer does. You hit the golf course when the weather permits. Do you do a little fishing? Is there any hobbies that you have that uh, you've, now that you you've been retired now for quite some time uh, that you're able to uh, to enjoy? 
You know, I, I used to ski quite a bit and work out and, you know, just do things like and travel. Uh, but the skiing days, I've kind of put that behind me after a few serious ski falls. So, um, I just, I, I, I like spending time with the kids and grandkids that I have still in the valley and, um, like I said, working out and traveling. Sure. Do, so, do you, how, how close do you still follow high school basketball here locally? I don't follow it super close. Uh, I pay attention, you know, to Fruita. Sure. I know the fruit, like the Fruita boys this year. I mean, they're doing fantastic, I've seen. Um, and I like to watch, I actually watch the University of Iowa girls team with Caitlin Clark. I like to follow her. Sure. That's a heck of a know, player. So. Yeah, tremendous player, no doubt. Well, Dallas, I, I appreciate the time, and uh, congratulations to you and that 82 team for going into the Hall of Fame. And uh, we'll have that game, by the way, the girls' game with Central and the boys' game as well uh, with the Hall of Fame uh, inductions, uh, part of that coming up on February 2nd right here on the Team Sports Network. And, and Dallas, I, I you know. I, uh, didn't get obviously. Uh, I don't think I had a class for you with you when I was in high school. Uh, I think probably what you taught. I was I was not nearly bright enough to be in one of your classes, but I know that uh, you were you were a fantastic teacher and you were an incredible coach in both volleyball and basketball. And uh, once again, well deserved for you and the team uh, to go in to the Wildcat Hall of Fame. I appreciate the time. Well, I appreciate I appreciate uh, you taking the time as well and. All right, that's uh, Dallas Meyer, former Fruit of Monument girls basketball coach. The 82 state championship team will go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame tonight. Of course, we'll have coverage of those games starting at 5 o'clock with the Wildcats taking on Central on the Team Sports Network. All right, 918. Let's go ahead and get our final qualifier for today for our Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. All right, table for six, 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings for February 11th. Uh, Big game between the Chiefs and the 49ers. Once again, if you've already qualified, don't text in again. Only one qualification per individual, so keep that in mind. And once again, you qualify, you don't win, and we'll draw the winner coming up uh, 7 o'clock hour. Start things out next Thursday. And for uh, Cameron in the 8 o'clock hour. You just made the list! Congratulations to him. Somebody else will join Cameron on the list. Text in right now. First name, last name, and B-dubs to 970-242. 1340 to get qualified. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. Good morning, gentlemen. What are the haps? The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Welcome back, 921. Jim, along with Cake from the Bozarth Miller Chevrolet Buick Studios, the most trusted name in automobiles. All right, so uh, still time to text in for our Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway to qualify for the table for six and 50 wings from Buffalo Wild Wings. So uh, send that to us on the team line, 970-242-1340. All right, uh, coming up, uh, you'll hear from Clarence Ross. We'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame tonight. Outstanding football player and wrestler at uh, Fruta High School back in the 60s. Uh, who do we have in the uh, team line right now? Speaking of Fruta, Sam and Fruta. All right. 
Good morning, Samuel. How are you, sir? I'm doing great, Jim Davis. How about you? I'm doing fine. Uh, did you hear Jackson Wilson respond to your question about a backup goaltender for the Avalanche? I did. I did. I'm I'm, I'm usually unable to call when he's uh, on the air, but I always enjoy his uh, your conversation with him. Um, you'd mentioned a little bit of the, uh, uh, the the lead up to the All Star Game and the uh, the draft on TV yesterday. Right. Um, I wasn't able to watch it. I mean, I, I didn't get home in time to watch the initial airing of it. My wife watched it, and she was far from impressed, so I, I didn't bother trying to pick it up on one of the half a dozen times they reran it later in the evening. But uh, it should be a good game. Um, getting, getting back to goalie situations, um, there was a couple other goalies that Hockey News mentioned besides Flurry. Uh, with, with potential for, you know, that the Avs should be interested in. And I'm trying to pronounce their names here. <laughs> There's Capo, or maybe it's Capo, Kakonen, uh, <laughs> it looks like, and I guess he's with the San Jose Sharks. Okay. As, as a potential. And then there was another guy, um, Alex. <sighs> This is great radio. <laughs> pronouncing names is not easy. I understand. Nadell Jakovic, Kovic. Anyway, he's he's with the Penguins and uh, Capo Cohen, I believe. I once again. Oh man, yeah, yeah that, uh, it I, could I, definitely be that. I, I'm taking. Well, but, I'm, just, uh, I'm just taking a shot at it there, Sam, <laughs> for, for San Jose. Anyway, the, those goalies were also mentioned as potential for a backup. Uh, with the uh, with the abs and I can't remember when this hockey news article was written but it's been it's been a couple weeks ago. Oh, well, it's certainly an area that you know you're listening to what what Jackson had to say. I mean, it's I think we all agree it's it's an area that that, that needs to be addressed. I don't think there's there's any doubt about that. Look how crucial it was to have Frankie Pavel Francouz during the the run to the Stanley Cup when Darcy Kemper got hurt that they they really needed him and he came up yeah, big. And they came against Edmonton uh, to to get them into the Cup final, and so yeah, they 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 need somebody else. And if it's you know, hopefully it's a guy like Mark Andre Fleury that uh, that's uh, available and and will uh, will be a really good backup uh, to uh, to Georgie going forward. But they they need to address that. It is a an area of weakness right now. Yeah, d- definitely. Because without Frankie on the team, I I I doubt if, I doubt if they'd have won the Cup. Yeah, I, I I totally agree. I think you're 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 spot on with that. Hey Jim, have a good weekend. Sam, always a pleasure to hear from you. Enjoy the rest Talk. of your day and your weekend. Take care. Bye bye. Right. Sam from Fruita today. All right. Dexter Collis on the team line, nine seven zero two four two thirteen forty. Always appreciate hearing from Sam. And uh let's go ahead and hop into Four Down Territory. We're into four down territory on the Jim Davis show on the team. <laughs> Okay, Brock Purdy, not not everybody believes in Brock Purdy, even though he has his team in the Super Bowl. Only the Super Bowl. Yeah, just, just the, the just championship that one game. game of the National Football League. The pinnacle of the NFL. In a recent episode of Fourth and One with Cam Newton, because he does podcasts, because everybody has a podcast now, mm-hmm. that um, he doubled down. Remember one time he was an NFL MVP, Cam Newton? Doubled down on his take that Purdy is far from elite at his position. 
Now, uh, Newton said that he never called Purdy trash, but rather a game manager who doesn't elevate players like a true game-changing talent would. The former Panthers quarterback stated that Purdy isn't even a top three player on his own team. I still reserve the right to say this. To be labeled a game manager, Brock Purdy has to be the best player on the offensive side of the ball, and that's not the case. I ain't recanting bleep. Brock Purdy's the 10th best player on his team. Is that fair to say that about Brock Purdy right now? I mean, because I don't, because I, I don't 100% disagree is the thing. He's a game manager, and he is definitely a benefactor of the system around him and the talent around him. But you still got to make the throws. You still got to do the things. You still got to make the reads. You still got to be at a competent level. Like, if you had all the same pieces in that system, but you take out Brock Purdy and replace him with, let's say, Paxton Lynch, it's not the same team. It's just not. So I get where Cam Newton is coming from. I understand why he might think that way, but also I feel like this is just kind of, this is a guy, this is a Cam Newton. We all remember after he lost to the Broncos in that Super Bowl, how he kind of reacted. And I think that this is kind of the years removed. Yeah. You know, this is this is giving the same energy as the dad at Little League who yells at his kid, you know, hey, you better swing at that because, you know, I, I would have swung at it back when I was your age, you know. Because Newton's put Purdy in the same category as Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Tua Tonga Viola's quarterbacks that are just an extension of their coach's game plan. But you um, still got to go... You can game plan until you're blue in the face. You still got to execute. Does Brock Purdy possess incredible athletic skill? No. More than I do. Well, I mean, compared to you and me, and you know, but but compared to us, yes, he does. But in the NFL world of quarterbacks, is he Josh Allen? No. Is he Lamar Jackson? No. Is he Mahomes? No. In terms of his athletic ability. But here's the thing. Number one, he's still very fresh into his NFL career. Kind of like the whole Sam Howell thing a little bit. Right. You know, this is year two. He's got his team in the Super Bowl. I get a lot of the yards this year were yak yards, yards after the catch with McCaffrey and Kittle and Ayuk and Tebow and all those guys. I I just think, number one, is is he the best quarterback in the league? No. Is he an elite quarterback if they win the Super Bowl? Depends on the plays that he makes. He made some plays in the NFC Championship game that throw to, um, oh gosh, um, Juszczyk. Yeah. The throw on the sideline, which is a great catch by Juszczyk, mm-hmm. but also a great play by Brock Purdy to get out of the pressure to, to make the throw to get the first down. I just think it's, let's see, it's, it's so premature, so early to go. He's, he's a leader, he's not a lead. Right now, all I know is this he's played well enough for them to get to the Super Bowl. He has not been the reason that they are not playing for a championship, which I don't know. Dak Prescott, Jared Goff, and Tua Tonga Viola are not playing for playing in the Super Bowl. Doesn't mean that he's better than those guys. Right. Because I don't I don't think he probably is. But also, I Cam Newton, who can't get a job anymore. Nope. Who is always an 
okay passer, never a great, never had a great arm talent. His his skill set was his legs. Exactly. So people could say, well, Cam, you weren't exactly the best passer either. And I'm not, and once again, do not take this as me saying that Brock Purdy is Tom Brady. But Tom Brady was not a guy blessed with an incredible skill set of mobility and things like that. No. Tom Brady was a statue. Yeah. At least Brock Purdy had 48 yards rushing against Detroit in the NFC Championship game. I, I just think that the people are, are quick to crap on Brock Purdy. Right. And it's like you either, it's either you have two camps for Brock Purdy. He's the next Tom Brady or Joe Montana, <laughs> or he's the worst quarterback in the league. Yeah. There's, there's no, no in there's between. No, there's no, like, like so many things in this world. It's, it's got to be one or the other. Why can't it be somewhere in the middle? Where exactly. he's a young developing quarterback who's probably in, in the top, probably top 16, 15, say top 15 quarterbacks, maybe bottom half, 14 or 15 in the league in terms of talent and production. He's upper half of the league. He's not number one. He's not number five. He's not number 10. He's probably 14 or 15. I think it's a fair place to put him right now. But he's in the Super Bowl and Cam Newton's in the not. Super Bowl. And that's all. And Cam Newton's not. And guess what? He could end up doing something that Cam never did. Winning a Super Bowl. Exactly. I just, whatever, Cam. Whatever, man. Keep it on the 49ers here. Okay. Second down. That C.J. Beathard, one-time Iowa quarterback. That guy. That I believe was the roommate of former Mav David Tan when they were both in Iowa together. That sounds right. I believe Beathard was his room, roommate back then. But anyway, Beathard, some people think, should get some credit for indirectly helping the 49ers get two of their best players. Because John Lynch admitted a few years ago that the team became high on George Kittle because they watched film of Beathard ahead of the 2017 draft. Would you look at that? And they play together at Iowa. You know, it's not a program known for throwing it around the field, obviously. Oh, God, no. Just to witness the last couple of years. And so... Thank you, Kirk Ferentz. So, so they watched... They, he watched the tape of Beathard, and they really fell in love with George Kittle. And so that tape helped John Lynch make the decision to draft George Kittle. And then there's Brock Purdy. The aforementioned Brock Purdy. They drafted Brock Purdy with the final pick, Mr. Relevant, in the 2022 draft. They got that pick as a compensatory pick from when Beathard signed with Jacksonville. Huh. So, C.J. Beathard. There's some truth that C.J. Beathard has played a role in two of their better offensive players being in Niners uniforms. This is the six degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's C.J. Beathard and the 49ers. C.J. Beathard. All right, third and fourth down. Woody Page was on around the horn and his usual chalkboard antics behind him. Uh, He gave a shout out to the Western Slope. Did you see this? I did not. He wrote, Fruta, Red Seas, Colorado, high school should name their teams DeLooms. And I said, why? Took me a second, then Uh, I realized, Fruta DeLooms. Fruta DeLooms. That's pretty good. That's pretty good, though, that he acknowledges that Towns exist on this side of the mountain. On this side, exactly. Actually, there are there are towns that that exist once you go through the tunnel. That's uh, that. How nice of Woody Page to do that. Love it. 
Fourth down, Michael Buble was at the NHL All-Star Game and did a press conference sitting next to Will Arnett. This thing didn't just go off the rails. This thing transcended rails. Take a listen. Matt, I'm in more than one hockey league. In the LHL, which I'm in with you, I happen to be in fifth place. Second, I am first place in the FHL, other hockey, fantasy hockey league. Third, my buddy told me this is just a microdose of mushrooms, and he was lying. So I'll be honest, I thought I was in blades of glory for most of the time that I was out there until it sort of settled down, and then I realized, holy I am at the NHL All-Star Game. You know, it just occurs to me that all, uh, through all the incredible songs and, that you've done over the years yeah. and all the, the hearts of women that you've won over around the world, with all that talk about fantasy hockey, you lost them all in one sentence. <laughs> it all just evaporated. You years of building it up and just, yeah. and it just gone. Yeah, the mushroom talk lost me all of my contracts, well, the mushroom too. mushroom talk definitely <laughs> lost you a lot of income. Yeah. Uh, Anybody got the guts to follow up with the mushrooms? Yeah. <laughs> I, I do love like, it. I do like Will Arnett. I do too. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Uh, that's pretty good. All right. Uh, that is uh, four down territory. Coming up, you'll hear from uh, one of the inductees. Uh, they'll go in tonight and into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Clarence Ross coming up in a few minutes. Let's go ahead and jump into this day in sports history. That's the story of the greatest sport moment in all of history. It's time to take a trip back in time. It's this day in sports history. All right, let's go back to 1936. Major League Baseball announces the first members of its Hall of Fame. And the five players that uh, were the initial class, can you name Can you name one of them or two of them? Um, can, you name one, can you name one of them? Cy Young? No. And uh, that's that's about all I got there. Babe Ruth. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Honus Wagner, Walter okay. Johnson, okay. Christy Mathewson, and Ty Cobb. Uh, okay, all right. That's okay, but you know, that's that's not a bad guess, which you had. It's not bad. Uh, also on this day, 1954, Clarence Bevo Francis. Uh, Trevor Baskin's on the Bevo Francis watch list. Yes, he is. Uh, again, uh, after he was last season, scores 113 points against Hillsdale College, setting the all-division record for points in a game, as well as a single-game record for field goals, 38, and free throws, 37. 113 points. That's pretty good. Also on this day, 1968, a guy that also scored 100 points. Not 113 like Bebo Francis, just 100. Wilt Chamberlain on this day, 1968, Records a double, triple, double. Sixers beat the Pistons 131 to 121. Will Chamberlain, 22 points, 25 rebounds, 21 assists. Giving him the first and only triple, double, triple, double in NBA history. Good Lord. That is pretty amazing. All right. That's this day in sports history. And uh, we have a qualifier for a Buffalo Wild Wings big game giveaway. Yes, we do. Congratulations to Lee. You just made the list. Well done, Lee. Well done. So we'll uh, have more qualifiers Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday morning. To start out the show, we'll announce the winner of the table for six and 50 wings of Buffalo Wild Wings for the big game coming up on February 11th. We'll take a break and we'll come back with more on the Jim Davis Show on the Team Sports Network. First of all, it's hilarious. Warped, twisted individuals. Yes. Yes! 
The Jim Davis Show on Colorado's sports leader, the team. Getting through the Monument Wildcat Sports on The Jim Davis Show. And joining us right now on the team line, he'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame on February 2nd when Fruita Monument takes on Central. Joining us right now, Clarence Ross. Clarence, good morning. Congratulations on uh, your forthcoming induction into the Wildcat Hall of Fame. Good morning, Jim. Thank you very much. Very honored. Well, long overdue. Long overdue, Clarence. And, of course, uh, going back through your career, it was an incredible one at, at, at then Fruita High School where you were uh, the, the 68 undefeated state wrestling champion at 138. Uh, you're the, the state of Colorado outstanding wrestler that year. You're an all-conference guard linebacker in, in 68. Uh, you remember the 66 uh, state championship football team at, at Fruita High School. You were even the senior class president. You, were, you did a little bit of everything and, and accomplished an awful lot to, during uh, that period of time. You're also a member of the Cultural Exchange Wrestling Program that went to Japan, and you were, you were undefeated uh, uh, when you went and competed uh, overseas. So uh, a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of incredible accomplishments, Clarence, on your resume as a Wildcat. Well, I was very lucky. I had a lot of people that helped me out a lot. A lot of coaches that gave me great advice and just had a lot of fun doing it. I would think that uh, the late Bill Knox and your football coach probably had a had a very strong influence on on your career, Clarence. Yep, Coach Knoxon and Coach Pollock and Coach Bishop were all three great people that helped me out a lot all the way through high school and even after high school and everything. So I owed them a lot. You mentioned the, those three with uh, with Bill Knox and Jack Pollock and, and Lowry Bishop. What did each one of them? tell you what do they what do they do to help a young clarence ross each guy obviously different personalities uh in, incredible coaches and incredible men but but men of different uh, different personalities and different uh, views of life what did each one maybe tell you that that still resonates with you to this day coach Knoxon was very very uh, influential and in doing the very best you could uh, every play every practice every minute every second that you did anything be very very good at it and uh, do the very best you can and that's one thing that always uh, resonated with me with him he, he just taught you to do everything as best you possibly could every time you could and um, coach bishop was just an outstanding character he, he taught us all a lot of, about you know, he and his wife about having great character and integrity and honesty um those are things that he just ingrained in, you know, in his way of teaching, his way of communicating with you. And then uh, Coach Pollock was one of those that you just wanted to run through a wall for. He taught me in wrestling, you didn't have to do a lot of things. You just had to do a few things very, very well and uh, take what you do and perfect it so nobody can stop it. So those are the things I think I would attribute to each one of those coaches. We're talking with Clarence Ross. He'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame on February 2nd uh, when uh, Fruit of Monument plays host to Central uh, on that Friday night. And you know, I mentioned the, the incredible wrestling career, undefeated state wrestling champion, uh, went to Japan on the exchange wrestling program. You're a scholastic high school All-American wrestler as well. And and so for you, you mentioned Jack Pollock was your wrestling coach. Was there, was there a guy or two, Clarence, that was out there on the mats that was always kind of pushing you, a, t- a teammate back in the day, that that helped provide maybe you know um, when you're when you're going through practice, 
forcing you to be your best or encouraging you? Were there a couple of guys like that for you when you were a Wildcat? Uh, I had, I was very, very fortunate. I had good friends that we all were kind of close to the same weight and everything. Uh, George Lloyd was there uh, my junior year, not my senior year, but and um, Boyce Baker and those guys just we just wrestled and Coach Pollock just pushed us all and stuff. Uh, I wrestled with wrestling 138. I'd go down and wrestle with the lighter kids, and then a lot of times I'd go up and wrestle with the heavier kids to push yourself. And it was it was just we had a good team, and it was just a lot of fun to to be around. And then, of course, you went on to, to Northern Colorado, really good wrestling program. You were a, D, a Division II Collegiate All-American in 1970, placed sixth uh, nationally in 134. So you, you went on to have some really good success at the collegiate level. And then let's talk about the football part of it, because you were you were a guard and a linebacker. And today you'd probably be a slot receiver. No offense, Clarence. <laughs> you're, you're not, you're not, the, you're not, when you, when, if people have not met Clarence, you're not the biggest guy in the world. But it's about the size of the, you know, the, it's not the size of the dog. It's out of the size of the fight in the dog. And you were able to overcome maybe some size limitations to, to go out and, and be, you know, an all-conference guard and, and linebacker back in, in the 60s. Well, I was very fortunate, like I said, we were on very good teams. So that helped a lot and stuff. And, yeah, we practiced. You know, Coach Knox and Coach Bishop just made sure that you went full speed every practice every down every every drill and everything and that helps a lot you, you develop a technique you they work with you they made sure that you did the right things at the right times uh size was just something i lived with you know right uh, coach, coach Knotson put me at guard i didn't you know that's where i wanted to play and he put me there in linebacker and uh i i had a lot of fun Blitz a lot as linebacker, it's, you know. Uh, so I I caused havoc with just you know that little little extra to give when I went against the bigger guys and stuff. Well, the, the quickness and also I imagine you, with your time on the wrestling mats, leverage things like that, your body control that that was a, a huge asset. Where size wise, you maybe weren't as big as some guys. You had those tools that that, that helped you be a really successful lineman. Yep, it, it was interchangeable. I, I tell every athlete in high school, do as many things as you possibly can. They all help. You know, football helped me in wrestling. Wrestling helped me in football. You, you just uh, interchange them. And it's competition. The best thing is to go, you know, be competitive in everything you do. And all of a sudden, good things happen for you. Well, I think there, there's little doubt. You're one of the most uh, competitive guys I know, Clarence. And uh, that, I mean, you are. You, you're, you're, you're an excellent organizer. You work your tail off. You're as one of the you know the hardest working guys that I know. And so, uh, it's no surprise that uh, you were a successful high school athlete at Fruita High School, and and successful, of course, going on to to coach a Palisade with Joe Romano, uh, athletic director at Mesa State. You were also coach uh, over uh, for Joe uh, with Joe at the at, at um, then Mesa State College as well. So. Uh, that uh, that continued on, but I want to talk about that uh, that '66 state championship team. Still, the only state football championship uh, in Fruta High School, Fruta Monument history. A uh, lot of tremendous talent on that team. You were one of many. Uh, there were really really uh, outstanding football players, and uh, for Bill Knox and getting that that chance to win that that state championship, and, and one of these days, hopefully the Wildcats will, will will garner another one. But certainly some some great memories if you're a Fruta a high school football fan. 
Yes, we we had some good players. Rich Paris, uh, we watched some films uh, at one of the reunion, and one of my comments was, thank God we had Rich Paris on our team. Uh, <laughs> he was, you know, just a great running back, a fullback. You know, uh, you didn't have to open big holes for him to go through. You just had to bother people, and he ran over them and stuff. We, we were just fortunate, you know, We've had uh, Rich and Richard Berg and Mel Cray or <clears throat> Mel and Barbie, uh, which is Boyce Baker and myself. We we all just believed in winning and went out and had fun. And your connection with Fruta continues. I, you help your nephew Cam Ross uh, with the football team, and so you're you're still out there, uh, very much a Wildcat here, even in, in 2024. Oh yeah, yeah. I have a lot to pay back. A lot of people help me a lot of different ways and Fruita and everything. And with Cameron there, it's just a great, great chance for me to be around football and kind of help guide some people and put some input every now and then about what maybe over the years I've learned. Yeah. All right. So Clarence Ross, uh, he'll go into the Wildcat Hall of Fame tonight uh, out at uh, Fruita Monument uh, Wildcat basketball teams take on central pregame at five girls tip at 5 30 boys at seven o'clock tonight on the team sports network presented by ken richard state farm so uh, make sure you tune in for that tonight and uh, enjoy the games if you're out there and also tonight on the t- uh, we're on our sister station the monkey 95.7 here in the valley uh 93.5 in montrose grand junction plays at montrose the highway 50 game of the week with pat hooley and uh, lance reddy with the pregame at 5 15 for that one All right, it's uh, time to wrap it up on a Friday with some garbage time. We're taking out the trash. It's garbage time on the Jim Davis Show on the team. Oh, I love trash. All right, you want to lead off here? Oh, yes. Um, The Brad Bohannon, former Alabama baseball coach scandal, he has been officially uh, placed... um, on what is essentially the death penalty, he is on a 15-year uh, out with cause. If a team hires him, they got to prove to the NCAA effectively why they had no other choice but to hire him specifically, and they have to still suspend him for five seasons. So <laughs> it's not a good idea to hire. But anyway, so this was uh, from the uh, some of the documents that came out about this investigation. So Bohannon texted a better that one of their star players, their starting pitcher, was going to be out for the game and that they would the, this particular better could bet on LSU to win the game. And sh- so the document reads, shortly after receiving the electronic messages from Bohannon, the better attempted to place a $100,000 wager on the LSU baseball team at the BetMGM Sportsbook at the Great American Ballpark in Cincinnati. Sportsbook staff limited the better to $15,000. The better then attempted to place additional wagers involving the April 28th Bama LSU game, but the sportsbook staff declined due to suspicious activity. This suspicious activity (laughs) included the better's insistent demeanor to get the bet placed and statements to staff that the bet was, quote, for sure going to win and, quote, if only you guys knew what I knew. The suspicious activity also included the better showing sportsbook staff messages from Bohannon and explaining that the messages were Bohannon, informing better that the Alabama was that Alabama was scratching its starting pitcher. So that guy 
is a class A moron. Like, no, no, no. See, look, I have the proof right here. This is from the coach to the sportsbook staff. This is the knife that I stabbed him with. Look, look here. Still got the blood on it. No, no, no. You don't understand. I shot the sheriff, but I didn't shoot the deputy. Yeah, let's draw a distinction here on that. Let's be clear about that. Just the sheriff, not the deputy. Yeah. Uh, Also in legal sports news, uh, this is just hilarious. TaylorMade is suing Costco and its Kirkland brand because of patent infringement pertaining to their P790 irons. Okay. Which is basically just a fancy way of saying that the Kirkland brand irons are just as good as the TaylorMade's, which might come in handy come the spring. Very true. Joe Buck, of course, does Monday Night Football right now. There was some talk that he might call some Cardinals games, might get back in the baseball booth, but no, he's not going to do any of that. He was on the uh, on Pardon My Take, the Barstool, and he's interested in maybe at some point doing a podcast again. He did one with Oliver Hudson, the actor, mm-hmm. uh, Kate Hudson's brother, and um, and didn't go very well, and he actually got fired from that. And so he said, yeah, I'd, I'd be interested in doing another one. This time he would be interested in doing one with Artie Lang, who the Barstool guys brought up as, what about doing with Artie Lang? He's like, you know what? Yeah, I think I would, I would like to do with Artie Lang. Okay. You can't find too many more unhinged people in this world. Than Joe Buck and Artie Lang. Artie Lang. Well, Artie Lang, not necessarily Joe Buck, but. Uh, Artie for sure. Yeah. Apparently, Lang is still sober, by the way. Good for him. And hopefully, you know, let's let's hope the Joe Buck, Artie Lang podcast comes together at some point. That would be great. Okay. I think it'd be great. I, I, would, I would check it out. I would. I don't know how long. I don't know how committed like an I'd episode be to it. or two, and then you go, okay. But I would, I would be interested. Also, NFL, we talked about how they're looking at maybe um, changing the kickoff rule to the XFL rule, mm-hmm. potentially. One of the things, the thing is more of a front burner thing is trying to outlaw the hip drop tackle, though they're having a really hard time defining exactly what constitutes a hip drop tackle. Shocker. Can't even define a catch. And that's our show. We'll be back with you, at least I will, Buckeye, on Monday. Jim Rome's coming up next. Have a great day. Enjoy the weekend.